Welcome to the Multitracks.com Worship Sound Design Podcast, where we dig into the intersection of all things music, production, and sound design, but also a passion for God, for the local church, and for the worldwide church. I'm your host, Mike Graff. I'm excited to dig in together with you. Let's get going. Again, welcome to the podcast, everyone. My name is Mike Graff of Core Sound, one of the producers here at Multitracks.com. It is incredible to be here together with you. Today is a special day. Got the chance to connect with Aaron Robertson. Aaron is an excellent musician, producer, and has been an active part of producing and playing keys with Elevation Worship for many, many years. His insight and his wisdom go a long, long way. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Let's dig right into my conversation with Aaron. Robertson. I could not be happier than to be hanging out with the one and only Aaron Robertson. Aaron, thank you so much for making some time. Glad to, man. We're doing for it. For sure. I appreciate you having me. It's a joy whenever worlds intersect. And not only do we get to be producers together at Multitracks, but yeah. also I had the distinct privilege of you coming up to the Twin Cities area, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Is the church that I'm a part of, River Valley, we had you come and produce the most recent River Valley Worship album just this past February, Faith, Faith in, our, in time. our Time. And yes, man, dude. that was, you are such a hang, dude. Like <laughs> it is, I wish it was this way across the board, but I feel like there are a lot of people who have the gift and maybe are just very studious in that lane, but maybe not as much of the heart. And then there are plenty of people who have just a great heart, but maybe not as gifted, if you will. But man, I, when I think of you, Aaron, I think of someone who thrives in both so well. You were just you so a, much. a wonderful person to be with, but also, man, you are a force to be reckoned with when it comes to production, when it comes to the design of how everything's going to go together creatively. And so, man, what a joy to be on that together. I hope it's not the last one we get to do together, but seriously, it's just great. Thank you. That means a ton. Yeah, man. Being a good hang and getting work done. That's the goal. Like the work and the relationship, making an album together and working with a team that y'all built and mm. being able to jump in and be a part of that and it not feel weird or awkward or like we have to spend a week getting to know each other before we're comfortable yeah, enough yeah, to yeah. say, I don't like that chord yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah. just I like people feeling comfortable. I like breaking down any sort of weirdness pretty quickly. Yeah. Personality wise, it's just kind of like I like to be kind of laid back about things. Totally. Well, so, you did yeah, a great, it was a great job. time. The team, yeah. if I'm a good hang, y'all are a good hang. So, because oh. the team was awesome. Uh, it goes both And ways. it was very natural and everything. So, yeah. It was great. Honored man. to be a part of that for sure. Well, here's for the next and one. Yeah, let's go. Love it. I'm down. Man, so Aaron, I would love to hear a little bit of the story of how you first started out in the field that you're in, whether it was, you know, like specifically keys, patches and sound design, or, you know, just within the worship world itself. When was that moment where things started shifting from just a passion for music into a, man, I think this is, this is what I'm going to be doing with a lot of my time with a lot of my life. Yeah. So music started at an early age for me. I was I mean, I can go way back and go to the garage sale my parents went to and bought an air operated organ. Oh, that's amazing. And they realized I freaking loved it. Yeah. So that was the spark for them to realize I liked music and then started taking piano lessons at the age of eight. Yeah. In music, my dad liked country, my mom liked CCM, and then I was kind of always between the two, like liking pop and and both ends of their what they like to country and Christian and worship and stuff. Yeah. But it was always programming the little things. There was always like, it was exciting for me to hear things that my parents or friends couldn't pick out. Yeah. 
And that was just a natural, kind of a natural thing for me growing up. I liked, like, do you hear that little blippy thing in the background during the last line of this verse? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what you're doing. And I rewind it yeah. and be like that. And they're like, I don't hear it. And then I kind of geeked on that as a kid. I was like, <laughs> I would like the details. And I like the things that aren't just the meat of the song, but the things that make it. Some people call it icing, mm-hmm. but... To me, it's like it brings so much character to a song yeah. and makes it what it is. Yeah. Those things where like that sometimes it's like the 10th or 12th listen where all of a sudden you hear a little thing. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. that is that's just such a wonderful little added yeah. detail that yeah wasn't the forefront. But right. And the amount of care and like thought yeah. that goes into those things is, is exciting to me. So but yeah, so started playing in church when I was 11. Mm. Always was geeking out about all the different sounds on the motif, all the different sounds on the like Roland Phantom and back in the day, like testing all the keyboards at the music shop. I would run beats off of one keyboard and go to a different (laughs) one and find a cool patch I liked on that one and just like be wearing out the keyboard rep at the music shop. Yeah, putting on your own show (laughs) Um, in the in the keys department. That's huge. I love it. Yeah. And at church, like talking to old youth pastors nowadays, like, yeah, I remember you just sit up there and the church service would be over and you just jam out for like 45 minutes by yourself and everybody left. Wow. For real. So was, that's so cool. Just, yeah. <laughs> so I just loved like beats and all the different patches and tweaking things and started writing music pretty young to a lot of instrumental stuff. Yeah. And would kind of see movies and see things in my head as I was writing, mm. would record them on a tape recorder, mm-hmm. would tell my parents, Hey, this part is, this is what's happening to the character I made up, or this is so cool. a scene where this is a battle scene, or this is a sad thing that happened. Yeah. I don't know. I was always very visual yeah. or like seeing things in my head while I was writing music. Kept playing, kept taking lessons until age 16, kept doing music in church, kept going back home to my home church all through college. Mm. Around that time is where I got more into studio stuff. Sure. Reason is still a big part of my life. Wow, that's awesome. And that's great. I was 18, a, a dude's roommate showed me Reason and I never put it down. Yeah. So that's where I started getting more into specific sound design. Because in a motif, the layout of it, software, I kind of like unlocked like this thing for me. I love so it. got more in depth with that and started like trying to lease tracks for commercials and yeah. got involved with Elevation Church, started playing there in 2007 started doing programming on all the albums Mm -hmm. and music for openers and videos and scoring and just kept doing it all through college. So by the time I got out of college, which was for business, just as a kind of a backup plan, yeah, (laughs) I was like making enough music through church and through other things to where I was just like, I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. Life is cool. I like it. Let's keep going. Being in business school and being the music guy was kind of fun (laughs) because everybody's like, what is your dream job? And I was like, I want to compose music for film yeah. <laughs> and so you know license <laughs> what are you doing and, at business school you're like well yeah. right it's like it's a backup plan so and i loved college but um and i'm glad i did it yeah but either way by the time i got done i was involved with everything at elevation church i was getting to do like hip-hop score film mm. play at church programming on albums mm. some sound design stuff doing remixes doing every facet of all the things i loved yeah. to do and then on the outside of that doing tons of other stuff too for different artists and clients and videos and things. So, and then just the past few years is where I started to actually like put out patches that I've been using for a very long time. Yeah. And made, made over time. And right. There's just kind of stacked up in a couple of reason sessions. I was like, all right, I need to get some of this out there. Cause they've been <laughs> sitting in these two files for 13 years or something. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, this stuff sounds awesome. Yeah. And there's a, with programming and things finding, that was something I learned. 
yeah over time is yeah. like a lot of stuff music wise that you if you get to solo through tracks or here like back in the day watching producers videos they, they would solo tracks i'm like oh my gosh that is so sick but then you put the song back at how it's mixed and you're like oh okay it's just kind of in the background yeah, but it's not yeah. a thing it's finding that balance between it being the thing mm-hmm. or taking a back seat especially when you're layering things and building up, they're all working together to get a full certain sound. Yeah. It's like, does this need to be showing out in front of everything or does Mm. it need to be in the background? A lot of times it's just the background. Yeah. Or finding the moments for it. That took some time for me to like let go of how geeked out I was on these sounds that, Mm. you know, I'm making or working on and finding the best place for them to be showcased in a song. So either way. Certainly, you've been involved with a lot of different uh, projects over the years uh, at Elevation. Mm-hmm. What does a typical, if there is one, and I know that sometimes that can be hard to pin down, but what does a typical day or a typical week look like for you? Like, do you have set aside times where you're digging into specific production or sound design, or does it really just depend on what project is at the top of your calendar at the moment? Or what, what does that yeah. look like for you? The way my workflow is, is essentially once something's in front of me, I can't stop until it's either complete or I'm at a stopping point sure, that yeah. I can feel good about. Yeah. Doing a lot of different things at one time and just jumping around is like very difficult for me. Mm. I like having a lot going on and a lot to work on, but yeah. I have to find stopping points before I go to the next thing. Yeah. So with production, I mean, a week in my regular kind of schedule, which is not really a thing, but <laughs> regular is not <laughs> close, close enough, um, whatever. It might yeah. Be. yeah. But a, the general idea, if there's something that I have to get done by midweek and start with that, and it's mostly like if it's a worship song or or whatever it might be. I've mentioned this to multiple people, but I like to go details first and soundscape first. Yeah. And kind of find the small things that will eventually build up to become the vibe of the song or mm-hmm. the whole setting for the song. Yeah. And not fill everything up really quickly with big chords, big drums, bass. I tend to go small first so I can mm. chase that stuff. Because I feel like a lot of the time, if you feel like it feels big and awesome and it's full, you'll be like, all right done. Right. But all the little things in the background and the layers that are tucked away until you you don't realize they're there until their fifth lesson or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until you start soloing through tracks and things, you can miss out on opportunities to like dig in with that stuff. Yeah. So with the workflow, I'll usually approach things that way, mm. get through a project, get to a certain point with it, move on to the next thing of whatever I have that week. And then with like designing sounds and actually making patches for multi-tracks or bundles or spending time just like making things. Yeah. If I'm just making things for a song, I rarely think about that going toward a bundle or a right, sound. Right. Or a, You're serving um, what's I'm, right in front of you right then, right there. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I, yeah, that's just how I am. And there's so many things that happen that I probably, I need people to be like, you should put that out or you should let... <laughs> Let people use these because they're cool or whatever. But let the, me be that guy, Aaron. You should right. put those out. <laughs> put them out, yeah. please. Keep pushing me. Yeah, I need the push. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that I've put out wouldn't have happened without somebody just being like, we can make this easy. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Fine. And now, so whenever I'm doing it just for that, I'll take a day and it's all I can think about. And I'm just in here, like focused on it. Yep. And I won't stop. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to work on 10 patches. Mm-hmm. I'll do five and then I'll stop for a second and then I'll come back and wrap up the rest and just setting those little goals. So, yeah, and that, I'll just focus on that all day. I can't be doing 
song production and then jump into that. It's like just a one one zone thing yeah. that I have to put your head down and keep going through it. But yeah, totally. Um, and that's a very like all the nuances and all the little things that affect if you've got effects after stuff, one little thing could screw it up or make it amazing. And the detail of that is really inspiring. And yeah, yeah, I love doing it too. To backpedal for just a second, when you were even talking about how you approach producing a song and how you're starting with the small things in the atmosphere and all that, mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. I, I get how starting with the big stuff can feel faster and can feel like, hey, we're getting stuff done. But then you miss that chance to add those little things that sound little in a sense, but really bring it to life and turn it into something that's kind of uniquely its own. I think what I'm taking away from you saying that is that we need to give ourselves permission to play around a little bit, right? Like we need to, instead of like, man, okay, so we've got this time in the studio. Let's just bolt through it. Cool. That one feels good. And we go like, what could we get out of setting aside even just another, you know, hour, just marinating in this for a little bit or being willing to say, Hey, let's just end this for today. Let's come back to it tomorrow morning and work with it. There really is something to putting in that extra effort. And like you said, kind of approaching it from a backwards perspective, backwards only in the sense that a lot of people do what you said, where they start with the meat and potatoes of the song and and you go the other direction. You still have to do the meat and potatoes. Like you still have to get there and it might be technically, you know, if you're looking at it on the maps app, if you're looking at the GPS and it's like, well, that's not the the most direct route to get there, but it certainly might be the most scenic, you know, it might be the most creative way or, or allow for the most creativity to happen within that. And you're still mm-hmm. at the end of the day going to arrive at, you know, at the destination at the finished song, but uh, you made room right. for something more. So I, I know that somebody needs to hear that. I know that I need to hear that right now. So thanks <laughs> for that. That's huge. Gladly. Kind of harping on the same topic a little yeah. bit. There's moments where and it's more when you're kind of hitting a wall or you have to find inspiration for a direction for a song mm-hmm. and i think sometimes there's been songs that come to mind that we had to be like let's completely turn 180 and like try this and it's like a specific like let's try a dirty arpeggiator that just is like constantly going or yeah. let's try a huge just swampy kick drum every down yeah. and just see if that inspires anything which are more like detail oriented or like vibe oriented mm-hmm. and then there's been moments and just thinking one recently there kind of everybody was worn out and we we're just like needed momentum and tinkering with details at that moment would have been like, I would have probably lost the entire room's sure. attention and yeah. you know, we had to keep moving. So, but it, that was a chordal, it was kind of a cinematic beginning to a song direction yeah. that sparked kind of the whole thing eventually it turned into what it was because of just like messing with a certain cinematic type of chord movement yeah and that's more of a big picture thing that can shape a song whenever you hit a wall or wherever you know need some inspiration details don't always answer for that but i tend to start with that for sure So Aaron, is there anything in the worship world, the production world, sound design world that you are currently geeking out about right now? Like some piece of gear or a new plugin or a new batch of songs or project or something. What are you currently geeking out about? I just got a Mellotron. You did. I saw it on social and got really excited for you. (laughs) It was a, I shouldn't do this. (laughs) Uh, that's how it all started. <laughs> a friend, Austin Davis, we were talking about a song. He's like, just get a Mellotron for it. 
I was like, okay, I'll just buy a Mellotron. <laughs> and it's not a cheap piece of right. gear. And I was like, not right. in the mood to buy anything or spend a bunch of money on music stuff sure. right now. But I couldn't stop thinking about it for like a month straight. <laughs> and then I like to hunt down deals. So I was like on everywhere online trying to find it, talking to people that were about to move from Texas to Charlotte yeah. that lived close to this one guy on eBay yeah. that maybe he could pick it up and bring it for a better price. All this stuff. I just kept, couldn't stop thinking about it. And eventually jumping into this latest project, I was like, this is going to be for this project. Wow. Yeah. And it's going to set a tone for what I creatively kind of do for this. And it wasn't like constant Mellotron throughout the whole yeah. album. It was just inspiration yeah. and approaching things in a new way. It's a pretty simple piece of gear, mm -hmm. but it's very like it feels mm. and it created some really special ideas and moments. So I'm kind of geeking out on the Mellotron right now. That's awesome. It's more versatile than I think people realize. Yeah. And I definitely was like, okay, it's like old sounding strings and flutes. Yeah. Cool. But the depth of it and tuning things up and down and the pitch shifting and blending all the different sounds yeah. and then using those with pedals. And it's just like, it's crazy. Um, very organic and earthy mm. and it kind of breathes and stuff. It's, it's interesting. So that's the latest thing. And I'm gear wise, like it. kind of geeking out about And it looks so cool too. <laughs> yeah. On the latest live recording I did, it was like that with the pedals with my laptop. It's like a tabletop. Yeah. So you can see everything yeah. there. And it, it's just like a conversation piece yep. and, it's, a, it's fun. It's a, vibe. That's so cool. Geek wise to the Polaris. So BT and Spitfire. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And it's so inspiring. Is it really? It's super cinematic. Mm. It's very, it's a very cool blend of like BT's craziness yeah. and his approach blended with like kind of orchestral stuff wow. and mod wheel, AB layer is just, you can blend them really quickly mm. and easily. For textural pad stuff and all that, that's something I've been kind of messing with lately that I, that's really special it's too. Oh, very cool. Which is the opposite of the Mellotron. <laughs> it's very like real meets hyper synthy kind of like yeah. craziness. Yeah. But it's all beautiful. Ugh. And the Mellotron is just like a flute, just <laughs> looping and being weird. And so it's a, they're, they're opposites, but I used both of them a lot on some recent projects and it's a cool. It's so awesome. Some cool stuff when they work together. I love it, dude. It's great. Is there something, Aaron, that almost nobody agrees with you on when it comes to worship or production or anything like that? Is there something where you're just like in your own camp on your own? Maybe it's some process or maybe it's some sound or, or something. But yeah, what's something that almost nobody agrees with you on? There's an approach that I like to do, which is I love finding chords. Mm -hmm. I kind of like to let go of what the song is and try something different. Mm. And a lot of times the artist or whoever, the writer will be like, no, these chords are the chords. Sure. Like This is the song. Right. But I love being like, I know, but what if, because you're saying this in this line yeah. and this is kind of a happy progression. What if we held this chord long yep. and just made this entire thing this yep. and kind of breaking it down before we move forward? Because again, it's kind of a little bit of a detail approach of like, this is a great verse progression. It fits perfect with the vocal, but can you just let me sit with these chords or try something mm -hmm. else and kind of deconstructing it a little bit before we go forward. I've seen it be like, it can hit and it can miss, yeah. but, but being willing to give it a shot. Ris risky yeah. to, right. I try not to make it sound like I think it's broken. Mm. I just want to make sure it's like the coolest or best thing it could be. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, and certain artists are like, yes, whatever you want to try, I'm down. And then other times it's like set in stone. It's like, no, this is the song. So I don't know if that's an agreeance thing, but it's definitely a risk and can create some like back and forth. And all I'm supposed to be doing is like oh, totally. <laughs> playing synth and chilling yeah. out. But uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, opening that door of breaking down the song and trying something different. Yeah. Well, I mean, can be a risk, you know, like bringing it back to the project that, that we just did together, uh, Faith in Our Time, a River Valley Worship, leading up to the process of the live recording, which you can 
came in and, and we worked with you in pre-production and really kind of honing the songs in and then another week leading right up to the live recording. And of course, we have been sitting with several of the songs that made the album. We've been sitting with them in our church and leading them in worship services for, you know, a year plus for sure. Mm -hmm. And so there were pieces of it that had felt like, you know, well, this is how the song feels because we had done it dozens of times in a certain way. And for you to come in and do right. the very thing that you just mentioned, like, like, yes, this is how it feels. But what if we were to do, and I, I don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think as a whole that we were one of those artists or, or entities that gave you a ton of pushback. I think there was more of an openness from the whole songwriting team in that, but all that to say, yeah. you know, now with the album out and now with us doing the songs in now their current format uh, with the tweaks that you've added throughout the production process. Not only can I not imagine the songs without the new pieces, but clearly they've added that next level and they really give emphasis to the very things that you were trying to give emphasis to. So yeah, mm -hmm. I it was amazing to watch that firsthand and to be an active part of that process. And again, just as, as us being one of many examples, I'm sure just testimony to uh, it's worth it for you to go at it. And thanks for, for pushing us, man. That's good. Yeah, dude. And that first couple of times you play it at church is just like ripping a bandaid off. And then after that, it's good. <laughs> just like just trying to deprogram. Right, the verse is different. Really. Yeah. Your memory is like, <laughs> right. wait, wait, I'm not playing a four chord here. We're going like two, three, four or whatever. It just, yeah. You, you right, right. Exactly. Learn it the whole new way, but yeah. it's, hey, it's a great challenge. You get used to it quick. He's <laughs> like, said, yeah, love. Oh, I love that, man. <laughs> With all the experience you've had, Aaron, is there something that you would go back and tell yourself as you are beginning to get into the music world or within college when you were starting to get opportunities through Elevation? Uh, if you were able to go back in time and just encourage yourself or give yourself a piece of advice, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, what would you say to yourself? Um, one piece of advice I would probably need to hear sooner would be to let go of ideas quicker mm. and not hold on as tight. And I keeping the idea for something else or whatever it might be is always, I try to do that if it's not going to work for something else, but letting go and just being like, okay, if, if putting my own personal preference sonically or with a sound or patch or being like, I like this louder in the mix. And they're like, well, I don't and they're like, okay. Mm. Like just saying, okay. Mm -hmm. Be like, fine. It gets your mm -hmm. song. And that, that relationship between like producer and artist is really important and not letting, cause I tend to like, I like to express everything I'm feeling yeah. and I don't do it like in a forceful way or anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I like being open and honest about this chord makes me feel like this. And I don't think that's what you should do. But if you want to do that, it's cool. Or whatever it might be, just like back and forth is really important to not freak out anybody you're working with to try to keep everybody feeling inspired. Mm. And sometimes if you hold on to ideas and it becomes like a thing, it can like ruin moments or yeah. like, you know, and just, yeah, being open-handed with ideas. Mm. I think when working with a band, making sure everybody feels like their say matters and their ideas can be pursued yeah. or, you know, let's chase this down. Yeah, let's chase this yeah. down. We're stuck. Does anybody have any ideas? Let's chase that down. And then finding how to balance all that. Mm. I mean, that's not really advice. That's just something this <laughs> you have to learn over time. Working with people and doing music is like knowing when to be like, okay, let's stop trying to do this and let's do this. Or, you know, everybody's got ideas yeah. yep. and deciding which one is the right yep. one is not something that you just instinctually always just have it's you learn by working with people and creating and 
So, yeah. That's such a good word for multiple scenarios because, you know, a lot of people listening to this not only are in the, you know, like the the worship world when it comes to recordings and the production of all that, but certainly uh, within the local church and leading worship on the weekends, you know, we musicians, we artists are a sensitive bunch, are we not? (laughs) You know, there's uh, (laughs) receiving critique can become a sore spot really fast if you're not careful, if you're not guarding your heart and they're guarding their heart. So to uh, what you just said, I mean, to, to be able to work together with your team and no matter where you're at as far as skill level or professionalism or anything, I think this really does go across the board for a, a whole bunch of, you know, perhaps beginner volunteers or like, you know, people who have been doing this for decades and, and who are very studied, they still have a lot of ideas and they still are approaching it with perhaps that same sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Really what I heard you say, it's really to pastor that moment well and to remind yourself like, Hey, this isn't just about this song crushing it. Like this is about all the people who are involved in making this song happen, feel valued and feel like they're a part mm-hmm. of it. Cause you can get 100%. one without the other for sure. But how much yeah. more could it be if you give just a little bit of grace and a little bit of room to perhaps someone who is a little more sensitive and then with an openness to them because they didn't get, you know, boxed into a corner, they now have just even a little bit more confidence in their system to, you know, 30 minutes from now, all of a sudden there's some creative thing that comes out of their mouth that totally makes the moment. And right. yeah, that's a really good word, man. I appreciate your willingness to to make room. I, I'm picking up on a little bit of a theme. I mean, just with uh, with, with your approach to the the minutia and your approach to chasing things down and, and making room for that, you're not in a hurry when it comes to getting this stuff done. And, you know, certainly you are prolific. You get a bunch done, but to remove that hurriedness from the atmosphere is a big deal. That's a huge gift that I can see you giving people, whether it's in the studio or on the platform, getting ready for, you know, for a worship service or a worship event or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for that gift, man. That's a big deal. Dude, I grew up playing basketball and I, (laughs) like not perfect. You know, I wasn't like doing college ball or nothing. It's just, I liked sports yeah. as a kid. Who's your team? Are you like still, like, are you a, a Hornets guy? I don't care. I'm a, I went to USC, so I pull for game oh, card there you football. Go. Got it. That is a hard team to pull for. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, like just the teamwork aspect, passing the ball, this base thing, everybody makes eye contact. Yeah. Like those moments of everybody knowing and being together on like, this is that drum thing that we figured yeah. out and just like looking at each other during a you know worship service or a concert or a recording or whatever it is i just love yeah, that like yeah. The back and forth, the connection between each other. And when it's a dictatorship from a production standpoint and everybody's like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. All that goes away mm. real quick. So it's like getting to chase that stuff together and the collaboration of it all is like too special to lose. And I think like it's super important, especially with worship, you know, yeah. and also to like the ownership. Okay. Like a song a song is done by songwriters and it is what it is. But then like whenever I start producing that song. Like I take a lot of ownership of what it's going to become. And I almost feel like you kind of feel like this is my song because right. it's in my hands. Right. And that becomes a difficult thing sometimes too, because you you tie yourself so closely to the song and you do something to make the song a certain way. And then that whole letting go or grabbing onto an idea and deciding how important is it for the song or is this just me wanting to own an idea that I had for it. And that dichotomy and balancing that, like I said earlier, is like something you have to learn how to balance and figure out but it's crazy how yeah the collaboration and the ownership and all that stuff and the relationship between it all is like super key Mm -hmm. 
with all the worship leaders, worship pastors, worship musicians, uh, producers that are listening to this, what's one thing on your heart that I'm um, like, man, I really just, I feel like somebody needs this encouragement today. Well, I don't know if this is encouragement. It might just be an approach sure. thing. But I think sometimes people make music because they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And it's really special when you make music to make other people feel and not for you to be heard. Wow. And I think that's like a worship thing because you want, you're setting up moments for people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people who want to pursue music, you know, grew up in church and do it. And they just like, I mean, growing up, I wanted to make hip hop score film and I've gotten to do some of that's cool. Yeah. But like when you really like are connecting emotionally with people and leaning into that and just knowing like that's way cooler than somebody being like, your song is sick mm. and being like, I feel something and I don't know why. Wow. And that's not just based off of a six minor chord. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like the heart that goes behind that and the intentionality of trying to like do the thing that's going to make the moment right. Mm. I think that's not natural for everybody. Wow. And I'm not saying I figured that out <laughs> or anything like yeah. that. It's just an approach. I want people to feel based off of things that I'm working on. Yeah. So it's kind of an encouragement, I guess. It's like, you're great, but tap into emotion more than you tap into like what you want people to think about your music. Mm step into like the heart behind it and like why you chose that chord and yeah. how it made you feel and translate that. I mean, there's somebody was talking about when you write a song, what happens in the moment of writing that song. And then when you get to share it with other people, a piece of that is there and they get to be a part of the feeling and the moment that you had when it was created. Yeah, yeah. And I think that whole thing applies to soundscapes and keyboard sounds and hooks yeah. and all that. It's it's all kind of tied together. Just kind of letting go of the the cool thing that music is and just like getting to the root of the emotion of it all. Yeah. That's yeah. Somebody need to hear that. And I'm one of those people for sure. I hope so. Hey, hey, out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Well, and, and just to that end, not only are you saying these things right now, but like I've, I've seen you walk it out and um, thank you for doing so. And I'm hoping and praying that you continue to, because that is a huge encouragement that you bring into every artist, big or small, that you get to work with, you get to produce, you get to um, help bring along the line. Um, you are a leader and it is just a thrill to be in this together with you, man. It really is. No, you are too, man. Thank you all for listening to the Worship Sound Design Podcast. The music sound beds throughout the episode were provided by Core Sound. You can find these sound beds along with a bunch of other incredible ambient pads, keyboard patches, drum samples, and other resources from an amazing group of producers at multitracks.com. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch every conversation we have with all these incredible people who share the same passion. I'm looking forward to the next time. I hope you are too. Can't wait to see you then and until then blessings to you let's go make a difference